pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Jays fans, and welcome to a brand new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast brought to you by Barry Law. I'm John Bishop, and alongside Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, we have a very busy show for you this week. Not one, not two, but three different Creighton student-athletes who have all excelled this season and throughout their careers at Creighton University. Today, we are going to be hearing from Boston Small from the men's cross-country team. He is a finalist for one of the most prestigious awards in the NCAA, the 2023 Walter Byers Scholarship, which is a postgraduate scholarship. We're going to hear from Boston coming up here in just a little bit. Also, I'm going to get a chance to sit down and chat with Kate Kruger from the women's tennis team. Their season is just about wrapped up. They've got one more week of play, and then they head to the conference tournament. Kate, along with her playing partner, have been named the Big East Doubles Team of the Week. And then Catherine Lemke makes a return visit here to the 1620 The Jays podcast. She has been on a real tear, having won tournaments already this season. Catherine Lemke from the women's golf team will join us this week. The 1620 The Jays podcast is brought to you by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. And now I turn things over to Josh Peterson. Thank you so much, John. We welcome on to the podcast today for the first time, and I believe the second or third time that I've talked to somebody off the cross-country team. It is Boston Small. Uh, Boston, always love talking to a fellow runner. Uh, How are you doing today? Thanks for joining us on the podcast. I appreciate it, Josh. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Doing well today. Awesome. Awesome. Have you you gotten a run in uh, so far today? I have. I have. We just got back from practice this afternoon and it was great. Great weather. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's nice to finally have the spring weather. I'm, I'm going to nerd out a little bit with you, if that's okay, on, on some running huh? stuff that is very specific to me. We'll do that in a little bit. Let's talk first, though, about being one of the three finalists for the 2023 Walter Byers Scholarship, an incredibly elite recognition award bestowed by the NCAA. Tell us about this and, and what it means to you personally to to be a, among the final three male finalists. It's exciting. I mean, it's such a great blessing. I'm, yeah, super honored to have received it. I mean, it's all all a product of just the awesome community I have here at Creighton. I mean, coaches, mentors, everyone developing me to be not only a great runner, but a great person as well. So just really developing. It's It was cool to see how the scholarship really honored like a well-rounded person, someone who is both um, excels on their sport, on the track and course for me, but also is someone who's well-rounded with good character, leadership within a team, academics, and someone who's wanting to pursue something like a career beyond uh, undergraduate. So, so yeah, what, what does this mean for you in terms of how you got to this point and what it could potentially mean for your future if you won? 
Yeah, it'd be pretty big. I'm just honored to have been renamed a finalist. It'll be a great experience to go and interview and just get to meet all the other finalists. I'm sure they're also great student athletes as well. So I'm excited. It'd be great. It'd be a great opportunity for me to yeah jump into medical school um, a little more. Yeah, just with a little more finance with that. But um, I'm yeah, I'm just honored to be a finalist for it. That is so cool. So I, I love talking Boston with people um, about their running journey and kind of how they got started to where they are now and maybe a moment of like that clarity of, wow, you know, I, I might be pretty good at this. What, what was the, the, it like for you to, runners in your family? Was it just something maybe you realized you were good in gym class? How did it, it get started for you? For sure. That's a great question. I, I love stories too. So my dad did recreational running throughout his, throughout his career. He was a, he was a pretty good athlete as well. And yeah, he ran a lot of marathons a couple times, ran Boston. So that's where my, where my name comes from yeah. when he ran 97 and 99 marathons uh, at Boston. Um, but he never forced me into any, he, he let me do both. My parents let me do any sport that I wanted. So I loved doing basketball, baseball, running all throughout. Yeah. All throughout elementary school and did it in middle school was pretty solid. Um, but it wasn't until I, I'd say freshman year in high school when we were going and getting spikes as a team with our with our high, head coach in cross country. And I remember texting my head coach like, I don't I don't know if I need spikes. I'll probably be fine. And, you know, in trainers. And he's like, you you need spikes, Boston. You you need spikes. And then and then first meet I run like low 17s and was one of the top freshmen in Missouri. So I feel like that that first race freshman year was like, oh, OK, I'm actually I'm actually pretty good at this. And then what was the what, what it was the, the journey like, I guess? getting to Creighton, I guess, maybe even realizing I, I'm, this is something that I can do beyond just getting a letter in high school. I could, I could run in college as well. For sure. It was exciting to continue. I played basketball two years in high mm-hmm. school as well. Still did three sports um, with cross country basketball and track. And yeah, it was just continuing, really realizing that this is something I do love to do. It's something I really desire to do. Um, so yeah, just having it come from me wanting to do it and just continuing to want to get better and better. Yeah. And yeah, just kind of led into yeah, seeing minor improvements. It was tough because freshman year was actually pretty successful for me in high school. So coming off of that and trying to beat those times was a little more challenging. Like I had to be um, okay with not PRing every race. Like, okay, I have to be okay with just average races, but just kind of sticking with it and seeing those gains pay off in junior and senior years and just, yeah, seeing coming up and visiting Creighton and everything kind of clicked, clicked from there. So right now I'm training for Lincoln. I'm running the full and I'm also reading uh, this book from the late nineties about uh, a a Colorado cross country team from 98 uh, with Adam Goucher on it called running with the Buffaloes. And it's crazy to read about the mileage of like the freshmen and what they were doing in high school to what they're doing in college. I'm running right now. I peaked at about 70 miles, 70 miles plus a week. What's it like for you? What's the mileage increase been like going from high school to college? And I wonder how different it is in season versus out of season for you yeah i've read that book as well and it's pretty it's, it's pretty awesome. shocking yeah. what they'll do it's a great story though i yeah. mean he, yeah, he picked up a great season for that for that buffalo team so yeah for me in high school i was relatively low medium mileage i think i did peaked at like 50 55 a week for cross country a lot less in track averaged 45 a week and coach Gannon was great with integrating us slowly to not cause any injury like we had to really we really just jumped into it pretty seamlessly to where like in that first year and at Creighton, I peaked at 60, 65 and didn't jump up all that much. And I've really stayed around that point. Like some of my most successful seasons have came with 55 to 65 miles a week, pretty consistently, maybe biking on a, on a day or two on that, that week. So, yeah, I I saw you have a a Strava account. Like, is that something that you use to load up your, your runs and, and maybe keep track of things? Do you use it to follow other runners from around the country or friends? Like how, I guess, how does a division one cross country runner use Strava versus maybe someone like me? For sure. I think 
it was born out of COVID. I didn't have it before COVID. And then I was like, I, I want to know what my teammates are doing. Yeah. And I got to know. I, I have to see what they're doing. And yeah. And then especially other runners as well. So yeah, I don't know. I think I'd already, I'd already logged my runs manually throughout like starting in high school. So I'd already had a running log there. Um, yeah, just throughout, throughout my high school times. But Strava was really cool to, yeah, really mainly just with teammates, I think, especially yeah. during that COVID year. And now I don't use it as much now, but it is especially cool with maybe teammates that have graduated and moved on or just other people in the area, like local runners, runners from my hometown. I do get to see like kind of what they're up to. So it's pretty cool. Are you someone that you like, you really dial in on the data and the heart rate zones, or are you kind of more based off of how you're feeling and knowing the effort that it requires to run this pace versus this pace, this, this workout versus maybe a long run or something like that? I, I was always super data driven in high school. I loved math. I love numbers. So I've definitely grown from that as much where I'm like, I need to stop looking at every little heart rate blip. Yep. Um, especially sometimes like my watch not be perfect, perfectly accurate. So um, I've definitely gone into more of like, okay, what is this? Sh- what is this? Should What should this feel like for yeah some of our tempo paces or threshold and to not worry about heart rate as much, but yeah, I'm definitely, I still love looking at all the numbers and comparing some some runs from, from the past. So Boston, go back to the, the beginning of the interview. We mentioned the, the Walter Byers scholarship um, being one of the three finalists and, and what that could mean for you moving forward. Obviously, moving into a graduate study, um, medical school, there's a lot of hours that would go into that. What, what What's your hope, I guess, with running moving forward as you move on into the into the next part of your life? I, I've always been a competitor. I, I'm going to have to be, I'm going to keep competing until my body literally tells me it can't. So right now my goals are over the last year, I've been dealing with a foot injury. Mm. So I've actually been able to bike a lot more and swim a lot more um, to so much to where I'm like, I think my goal is going to be doing triathlons in the next, in the near future. So my goal is to, yeah, go into medical school and, and try to do the best I can to stay disciplined and be able to put in a lot of miles for, for triathlons and hoping aiming for Ironmans in the future. Do you want to run marathons like your dad? That's my goal. That's my goal. So right now the goal is to do those to the marathons at the end of after, you know, hundred miles biking, but <laughs> I'm sure I'll do some just straight marathons uh, at some point. So. And, and I'll ask the obvious question. I mean, got, running Boston someday for the namesake, soon. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Boston, uh, Boston small joining us on the podcast. As I said, I love nerding out about this stuff. Whenever I bring up running on uh, my radio show, I have to put a quarter in the quarter jar. Uh, it's nice to not have to do this because today it was it was for the podcast we really appreciate you uh joining us good luck um the rest of of this school year good luck with the scholarship moving forward hope that you're the winner thanks so much josh thank you oh 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 o'reilly you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts need them fast we've got fast no matter what you need we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Well, the tennis season is getting close to wrapping up. Uh, The Jays have another weekend in Kansas, and then they're headed to South Carolina for the Big East Conference Tournament. So we thought we'd better catch up with the Jays and one of their uh, one of their best players and certainly one who has uh, tasted some success, having been uh, twice 
elected to the uh, all-conference teams, both second team and last year first team. Kate Kruger joins us. Kate, thanks for coming on the 1620 The Jays podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John. You were first team all Big East last year, second team a couple of years ago. So did you, when you entered this season, did did it feel like there was more pressure on you than before? And, and not just from the outside, but especially from within to try to better that? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, going into a season, I never really, that's never really my primary goal is to, oh, I want to win first team Big East, but um, but rather just show up to every match and play well and hope the team pulls one out too. Um, so I guess this time, this season, a little bit more pressure. Yeah. Giving that it happened a second time. I've been around a couple more years and understand the gravity of like how much of an honor that is. Um, so yeah, that was definitely on my mind going in and um, over winter break. That was definitely one of my goals that I was working towards. Luckily I'm from Omaha, so I get to hit with the coach all the time. So does that uh, is there added pressure when when, you know, because everyone else, when they go home for Christmas and if they're from far away, you know, they can work out on their own. But you're working out with the coach all the time. There's advantages to that. But is there disadvantages to that? Because you're always like being observed and being 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 coached. I don't think so. No, it's really a lucky opportunity to, that I didn't see as a consequence of going to school in my hometown. Um, it's kind of nice having my coach who sees me play all year round, be able to, um, ask him to help me with certain drills and maybe get his opinion on a couple of things. So I'm not scrambling the first couple of weeks right before our first match. And that kind of gives me a little bit more reassurance heading into that first one and knowing I'll be able to pull something out and play well for the rest of the girls. Why did you choose to stay at home? You know, I really didn't want to stay in Omaha for school. Um, I went to Duchenne, which is five minutes away from Creighton's campus, and yeah. that seemed a little too close for comfort. But um, other than the location, like Creighton was, it marked everything off my list of, um, of a perfect school for me. And I'm lucky that I gave it a chance um, and let Tom sell the school to me. And um, when I met the team, I loved them and felt an instant connection to them. And then Obviously, the school is incredible. It has an amazing academic reputation and athletics. So once I got a taste of that and actually visited and um, had an inside scoop, that helped a lot with getting past the point that it was so close to home. But it's been a real um, blessing being close to home, I think. I love having my parents come and watch and getting to go home whenever. And that was definitely an unexpected um, advantage to staying close. So how would you grade your experience overall? Um, an 11 out of 10, maybe even higher. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a recruit. Every time the recruit takes a, you know, a yeah. visit, hey, how was your visit? Oh, it was an 11 out of 10. I mean, no one ever <laughs> gives it a bad grade. But but what, no. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned some of the things that made it special, but I'm curious from the academic side, what 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 did what did it do for you? Yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to um, go to med school after college. So that definitely narrowed down a lot of the schools I was looking at. Um, also wanting to play tennis somewhere that really narrows it down. So um, Creighton still being up there like as a school that I could play for and um, has an amazing reputation in the healthcare world that definitely drew me into that. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been an easy four years of school at all. Um 
if anything, I think tennis has really helped me. Like on our days off, I feel like I don't know what to do with my time if I'm not like scheduled by the hour. So um, it's honestly really helped. Some people think that it might be a challenge to like play a sport and be pre-med at the same time. But I feel like if I didn't have tennis, I just would be like twiddling my thumbs and not doing what I need to do to get there. Well, and the medical field is so is so precise. I mean, uh, that I I would tend to think, and I've known a lot of athletes who went in and became, you know, you know, some something in the medical industry. But there was something about the discipline of athletics and the discipline of practicing medicine that kind of go hand in hand. And I think helped on both ends. You can use tennis or sports as a release. But then exactly. it also, also with all the discipline that goes into being on time for practice and, you know, having to focus on a task all the time, it, it almost seems like it's a natural that those two things go together. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like making that discipline just kind of a natural everyday thing you have to have instead of like having to focus in on that and try to reel in those skills. Do you have a a desire of what type of medicine you want to practice? Um, at the moment, I really like the idea of cardiology. Um, I shadowed a former Creighton tennis player, Dr. Jurens. Um, she played for the Jays the same time that our coach Jean was there. And I really, um, loved her work. I got to shadow her in the OR and, um, I've always just been fascinated by the physiology of the heart. So that kind of made it click. I'm not really one to make up my mind very easily though. So that could change in the next couple of years, but that's where I'm leaning towards at the moment. Well, uh, one of the other reasons we have Kate and Kate Kruger joining us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast, you were also recently named, along with your playing partner, Bianca Rademacher, doubles team of the week. You had some great wins over Marquette and Doan, most recently over South Dakota. I'm curious, do you know right away, and I know you've played with different partners, Mm -hmm. but do you know right away when you found chemistry with the right partner? Yeah, for sure. And I've gotten really lucky on my team. I feel like every partner that I've had, we've had that connection. Um, It definitely takes a mutual understanding between the two and understanding how your partner plays to um, set them up and set yourself up. I think that's where the chemistry comes from is um, being able to recognize their strengths along with yours and um, dictating where you can capitalize on those opportunities. But um, yeah, I was really happy that Bianca and I got that. Um, got to share that award. It's really fun having like a fellow Nebraskan that someone that I grew up playing with, like it kind of makes everything come full circle. So that was really exciting. How do you best compliment Bianca and how does she best compliment you? Um, I think we're both heavy hitters from the baseline. So um, I think we both trust each other really well that we're not going to get into too much trouble back there. And um that can always keep us with an aggressive mindset up at the net and looking to attack from up there. So um, I am never worried when she's on the baseline. I always feel like I have an opportunity to do something up there and um, I hope she can feel the same. So, and then we also have, I feel like pretty strong returns. So if we get into some trouble in our service games, I feel like that takes a lot of pressure off that we can come back and break back if, um, we're not doing too hot on the service side. Is my math right? Are you two seven and zero this year together? I believe so. Yeah, we've had a couple unfinished matches, but I'd like to think those would have gone our way too. 
Well, you have that, but uh, and and Malvika and Leanne have also had a successful run as a, yeah. as a as a duo this year. They've won a couple of Big East doubles teams of the week. Is there a friendly competition? I know you play with dif- different partners on occasion, but is there like a friendly competition between you and Bianca and Malvika and Leanne? Not really, no, not in the sense for like Big East doubles team of the week, I would say, but definitely in practice when we play some sets, it definitely can get intense and we're all very competitive people and want to win, but ultimately that makes us better. So you just kind of have to put people's competitive attitudes aside. It's nothing personal, but we want to win in practice too. So um, yeah, I'd say there's some competition there. (laughs) <laughs> We're talking with Kate Kruger of the Creighton women's tennis team. They're getting ready to head down to Kansas for a couple of matches, one with McPherson, one with Wichita, and then it's off to South Carolina for the Big East Championship. I know there's no Big East schools in South Carolina, but that sounds like a fun trip because, uh, well, not that our weather's been bad here recently, but uh, getting a chance to go to South Carolina again and maybe get away from the Midwest will be a little bit fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun venue to have. It's definitely something we look forward to. Um, It being at the end of a very long season, that's definitely something that keeps us motivated. The last month or so, um, that escape down to South Carolina right before um, Big East, so right before Big East. How do you handicap not only your chances, uh, but your team's chances of performing well down in the Big East tournament? I think we're really excited. I think we are really encouraged by our wins that we've had this season over other conference teams. And then um, our close loss to Butler, I think, really lit a fire under our butts. It didn't put us down, but I think we saw how much potential we could have. And um, I don't think our team has ever made it to the semis of the tournament. So I think that really um, made it seem realistic for us and um, is a huge motivation going in that pressure of trying to get that, be that first team. Do you guys talk about it? Is that something that's discussed much or is it really one of those things that are are better left unsaid? Yeah. It's been a common theme actually this whole season. Um, Sometimes when there's like a lull in practice and we just need a little bit of excitement, um, someone will say like, all right, let's turn this into a big East semifinal practice. And that gets us um, all to be working for each other. And, it's definitely on our minds and something that we really want um, that we think about on and off the court. So, you know, as, as a college career starts to wind down, as you start to focus on, you know, what your future is going to be like, um, are you, are you coming to grips knowing that, you know, you're there's, there's less competitive tennis in front of you than there is behind you? Yeah, it definitely makes me sad. I mean, I love, competing. I think I'm a pretty competitive person at heart. So um, I feel like I'll definitely miss that aspect. It doesn't seem like that now since we're in the thick of it. It seems like we still have a couple more weeks to go and it's not really in my sights yet or doesn't seem like a reality. But um, yeah, pretty soon that's it's all going to be behind me, which I'll be sad about. Um, I like don't remember my life without tennis. So that'll definitely be an interesting transition and I'm sure I'll find something else to um, find in lieu of that. So will you still keep tennis in your life somehow, some way? Yeah, I think so. Um, I initially got into tennis because my mom was a college tennis player also, and 
she's still very active and is in a couple doubles leagues right now. Um, and I know Leanne on my team was telling me about um, a father-daughter tournament. She had played with her dad. So um, they have the same version, but for mother-daughter out in New England every summer. So maybe that's something that can keep my um, competitive side of tennis in my life and something that my mom and I can go out and practice towards. Um, other than that, I just have a younger brother who enjoys playing too. So if he's ever looking for a hit, I'm sure <laughs> I can <laughs> I can find some energy to do that. Would you, and I, and I, you know, like you said, you're not a hundred percent sure exactly where you're going to go medically. Um, mm -hmm. But could you envision yourself whether it's a private coach or some kind of coaching down the road, has that ever crossed your mind? I've thought about it a little bit. Um, I do have a gap year before I go to medical school. So um, that's definitely in my back pocket. I really enjoy um, teaching like younger kids, especially um, like skills and um how to be match tough and like the strategy side of tennis. So um, I would definitely consider it. I haven't found an opportunity for that yet, but I'm for sure open to it. Well, no matter what happens, we wish you the best of luck, not only this next week, the next couple of weeks, but also down the road. Have you, have you picked a medical school yet that you want to attend? Not yet. I'll be applying in um, start of June. So Hopefully I'll find out early fall, but um, that's a two-way street. I'll need some luck from the med school side of things. So um, I'd love to stay in Omaha. I've really grown to love it. I was saying before how I wanted to get out so badly for undergrad, but um, I've really come to appreciate Omaha and um, my upbringing here. So I wouldn't mind staying a couple more years. So maybe another four years at Creighton is in my future. Well, soon to be one day, Dr. Kruger, hopefully you get a chance to uh, to operate and uh, and not only save some lives down the road, but maybe even bring a couple of trophies back to Creighton before you're done. We really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for joining us. Best of luck to you and your teammates over these next few weeks. Yeah, thank you so much, John. That's Kate Kruger here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. And now here is Connor Happer. Thank you, John. More of the 1620 The Jays podcast this week, and we're changing gears. We're shifting over from basketball. We're going into the spring sports season, but there's always golf. People are in the mood for golf right now coming off of the Masters last weekend. Creighton's in the mood for golf as well. The women's golf team winners first place at the Stampede at the Creek at Indian Creek uh, in West Omaha last week, uh, and one J alone Catherine Lemke won the event, got the low score there. Uh, so why not? Let's have a chat with Catherine Lemke, who's got such a great story and really came onto the scene last year for Creighton, became the first golfer in Blue Jay history to make an appearance at the at the national tournament um, by winning the Big East tournament last year. And the Jays head into the Big East championships in South Carolina next week week so here's a little profile Catherine lemke is my guest this week on the 1620 the jays podcast all right we're joined by big east golfer of the week Catherine lemke how's that sound Catherine? sounds pretty good <laughs> not a not a bad uh weekend for you guys out at the stampede at the creek at, at indian creek T take me through it a little bit and and what ultimately got you i mean you needed every stroke too, only one by two in the in the team portion 
Um, had to feel had to be a good weekend for you guys. Yeah, definitely good for building the confidence. We um, we've seen that course before. I feel like we all felt pre prepared for it. We knew we could do well out there. Um, we were prepared for windy conditions, and that's exactly what we got. And we were able to grind it out and get the job done. Well, I was going to say from from experience, when it gets windy out there, um, it could be it could be tough and and long. I I guess that's just something you're sort of used to playing around this time of year in you know in Nebraska. Oh yeah, um, I mean we were just at practice and. I was hitting chip shots and having to account for the wind. So wind in Nebraska in the spring, pretty standard. <laughs> do, do you ever get used to it? Or, like, or does it just like mentally go into your head, okay, this is what I need to do? Um, I don't think you can get used to it. Yeah. I mean, it's mentally accounted for. I know what to do, but definitely takes me by surprise every time. All right, let's go back a little bit. Um, I was reading through the bio. Uh, Catherine Lemke is with us. Uh, reading through the bio a little bit. Okay, so this one caught my eye. Uh, what would you like to be doing 10 years from now? By the way, do you remember answering these questions when you uh, joined on as a student athlete at Creighton? Um, vaguely, yes. <laughs> so here was your answer. Working at NASA, Disney, or SpaceX – I got and I gotta say that that it sounds awfully ambitious. What's the what's the career path look look for you after this? Um, so I am studying to get a physics and math degree at Creighton, and then I will get an engineering degree somewhere else after um, my degrees here. And so the plan is to go into engineering and work my way up in some a big company like one of those. And yeah, I'm a on my way there. So I, I know you come from an athletic background. What got you into golf? Mm-hmm. Um, mostly my dad. He played he played a lot of golf in high school, and uh, he played college baseball. But he always wanted me and my brothers to get into golf. And um, there was a golf course probably like a five-minute walk from my house growing up. And he would kind of drag us out there like once a summer and tell us, come on, it's a life skill. You, you got to learn how to do this. And I was pretty stubborn and did not want to learn, but he met the head pro there and he was a really nice guy, had a junior league. Um, and I started like end of eighth grade and I just, I fell in love with it pretty quickly. Did it, was it something that quickly you were like, okay, I, I think I have a chance to be good at this, or was it just like I, I enjoy it? Like how how soon did you know that you could maybe you know do this more competitively? Um, well, the first tournament I ever played in was a par three tournament uh, at Cantini Youth Links, and I shot a thirty two on the par twenty seven, and I ended up like winning the tournament. Didn't really know what to do with that information, um, <laughs> and. My dad was like, well, I guess I'll sign you up for another one. And, um, I mean, winning's fun. Winning kept me interested, right? Yeah. And I chose a high school that allowed me to play golf in the fall. And that high school golf coach, she was a LPGA teaching pro. And she taught me a lot about the game and a lot about myself. And I think a lot of my interest in golf is because of her. And um, that that fall was the first time I ever broke 80 on um, 18 holes and I made it to state and that's when I figured out, man, I actually have a shot at doing something here. That's really cool. Yeah. If you can, if you could figure it out early, 
Um, yeah. Then that's uh, that's an advantage to you. Uh, quick yeah. one: par fives or par threes? Mm. So I'm tempted to say par fives because I hit the ball pretty far and I love going for it in two. But uh, my scoring average would tell you par threes. <laughs> I mean, it said it said in your bio like you know favorite club to pull out of the bag is the driver. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Not always reliable, but it's definitely my favorite club to hit. I was going to say, like, who's, who, who's, I mean, that's everybody's favorite club to plot. And if you could do it successfully, then you have to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get back to where we're at right now. Uh, winning, winning last week, obviously huge. You're going into the Big East Championships where you had some success last year. Um, mm-hmm. And you're going in with with a whole bunch of momentum. I, I guess, how does it feel right now? And 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 heading into you know a huge next week in South Carolina. I I'm really excited. I am feeling a lot better about my golf game than I have all spring. And I think the whole team is pretty excited and pumped up for this event. Um, obviously, we're all playing well to some extent, and um, I think we really believe that we can get it done. And I believe that. I can go out there and get it done, and I'm, I'm excited. So I, I do not know this from experience, but uh, people have told me if you know if you're playing good golf, and especially you know like you when you're doing it all the time, uh, if you're playing good golf, what kind of effect does that have just on like walking around? Does everything smell a little bit better, taste a little bit better? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean. The day the weather definitely feels nicer when you're playing good golf. You're not as uh, impacted by the wind or by a bad bounce. You just kind of let it roll right off your back. And well, I guess I got a bad break here. Or the wind took my ball way right, but I'm just going to get up and down because that's the kind of day I'm having. So yeah, everything does feel a little bit better. What are the uh, what are the challenges of the change of scenery? Like you've it's it's been. Uh, we talked about spring golf in Nebraska, and it could be challenging in its own ways. And then you take it on the road to South Carolina, where you know, the turf's a little bit different and the setting is a little bit different. Like, are, are the, do you think about the challenges of of just sort of geographically where you're going this week? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the good thing is we don't have to worry too much about elevation changes. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to guess that the weather's going to be fairly similar to what we've had here in the last week, temperature wise. Um, I'd say going from a lot of wind to very little wind is a lot easier than going from very little wind to a lot of wind. So I think I'll be overprepared in that regard. And uh, with the grass being different, I have a couple drills that I do once I get down there just to get used to the different types of grass, um, the different types of sand, stuff like that. And I kind of have a list of like which techniques work best in which conditions. So Making that adjustment isn't too big of a deal. It just takes a couple hours of practice. Uh, so where was the where was the Big East Championships last year? Same place. Uh, they, yeah. So they switched the location. They were in Pine Pine Mountain, Georgia. Okay. Like an hour south of Atlanta. Gotcha. Okay. So, but same idea, southeast portion of the country. You know, similar yeah. sort of setting. Uh, yes. Last year, take me back to you're you're standing on the last hole and you're 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 putting for a Big East title and it goes down. What like take me through that. Yeah, I had about a four-footer on the last hole of the 54-hole event, and I was—I thought I was a stroke behind all day because I was keeping uh, one of the girls that I tied with score, and I had her score wrong on the second hole. Oh so my gosh. I thought I was—I <laughs> was putting 
um, and going to come up a stroke short, and I walk off the green, and they go, Catherine, you're in a playoff. And I, I, was, I was in shock. I had to play that same 18th hole again, and I had about a 20-footer for birdie. And I had been making 20-footers all day, but as my dad says, you're allowed to make a 20-footer every once in a while. <laughs> um, and I just thought, well, I might as well get this to the hole because I want this to be like. I want this to go in and I want this to end on a high note. Right. And, uh, nerves were slightly evident, but (laughs) it was more just excitement more. I wasn't supposed to be here and I have this chance to do something great. So on the, on the previous one, when you're forced in the playoff, like, do you, do you think it goes down if you actually know that in the back of your head and the nerves set in? You know, the way I was hitting my four-footers, I, I think it does. <laughs> but um, I think not knowing the situation helps me remain calm a little bit. Sure. Well, that's an awesome story. Well, Catherine, uh, great to chat. And, and yeah. good, good luck to you uh, this week or next week, I suppose, beginning of next week in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever is beyond that, we're, we're rooting for you. Awesome stuff. <laughs> and, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Fantastic stuff there from Catherine. And once again, the Jays are at the Big East Championships starting Monday the 17th, going through Wednesday. That's at uh, Riverton Point Country Club in Hardyville, South Carolina. So the Jays looking to make some more noise before the season is up. That'll do it for me on this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. We'll send it back to John Bishop. John. This weekend, Creighton Athletics will be at the Kansas Relays for both the men's and women's cross-country teams. The men's golf team is headed to the Hawkeye Invitational. Softball travels to Georgetown for games starting on Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Baseball is also at Georgetown this weekend, and the game on Friday has been moved up to 3 o'clock. It was originally supposed to be a night game. It has been moved up to three o'clock men's tennis team as we mentioned headed down to kansas along with the women's team they will be at wichita state women's soccer's got an exhibition as they will take on the omaha mavericks on saturday and the series for both baseball and softball continue through the weekend at georgetown well that'll do it for this week's 1620 the jays podcast We're brought to you each and every week by Barry Law, your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. Hope to have some good basketball news for you on next week's show. We'll also catch up with the latest with the Creighton baseball and softball teams. So please, don't go anywhere. Don't forget, you can always download this podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search 1620 The Jays or visit our website at 1620thezone.com and find the 1620 The Jays podcast. For Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha.